0: So we're going to continue on in a series we're doing called, Who Do You Think You Are? And uh, we're actually 19 weeks into this. By now you figured out, I do long series. I get on a subject and I just kind of keep thinking about it and we keep going. But this one really important, uh, they all are, I guess. so Who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. Remember we have an enemy, a very real enemy who is trying to steal life from us. And I, I you know, pointed out, he's sort of the master of identity theft. And, and so he does not want you to experience the life that God has for you. And so what we need to do is understand who we are in him and what that means and how that uh, allows us to have this amazing life that he's called us to. Right now, we're talking together about the fruit of the Spirit as part of that process. And we've talked about love and we've talked about joy. We've talked about peace. We've talked about patience. We've talked about kindness. This week, we're going to add to that a talk about Goodness. Goodness. So that's where we're heading. That's the intro transition. Always a little silly thought or something here. Alice and I were up in Miami this week. We had a vineyard area meeting that we, uh, we did up there. And uh, so we went up the, the day before. It was the next morning. It's too hard to do it in one day. And so we took some time to go to the malls and stuff. And, uh, and you know, shopping makes me really self-conscious. Those, those cashiers are always checking me out. Oh, yeah, I read next, uh, next Friday is International Hair Day. I'm dreading it. <laughs> say, I would look cool, wouldn't I? I'd be awesome. My, my wife's like, no, no, it'd be awesome. But, you know, it's going to be tough because the, the wig shop went out of business because people didn't want to pay. <laughs> I know, but... I heard a wow and that makes it all worthwhile. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, 23, this is our scripture reading. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's been our scripture reading now for the last six weeks. And uh, I keep going back to it because I, I wanna make sure that it's settling on you, that, that you understand it, that it resonates with you. And I'm, I'm saying that for this reason. I think sometimes we look at that and we think, well, you know, we should be aspiring to those things. But really, as believers in Christ, this uh, fruit should be, we should be experiencing it. It should be happening in us. As we yield to the Holy Spirit, He just lets that happen through us. And so I see it more as an indicator of how we're doing than anything else. Uh, Like a warning light. If if we're a little out of step with the Spirit, then we're going to not experience those things. So if we find ourselves being unloving or not having a measure of joy or some type of peace, um, being impatient, I know none of you ever are, um, some, sometimes being unkind, that all those things should just be in a, make us aware that something's not right with us, that we're out of step because in step with the Spirit yielded to Him, we're, we're gonna be producing these things. You know, not perfectly, you know, but they, they should just sort of be happening in our lives. It, it's where we find patience and all those other things in our lives. So today we're gonna add to what we've talked about already, goodness and what that is. So point number one, what is goodness? What is goodness? And uh, goodness, you know, like kindness last week, we, we had to spend some time to define it, goodness is a hard word for us to define. Part of the problem is we use the word good for lots of things. Just like we use the word love for lots of things. You remember when we did love, you know, I said things like, well, we, we love our, our children and we love chicken wings and we love a beautiful sunset. But each of those loves are completely different and uh, because really nothing competes with chicken wings. You know what I'm saying. So anyway. but. But good is like that. We use good in, in the same sort of way. You know, I had a good meal, or I met a good person, or we had a good cry. But, but each time it's different, and yet we have that one word for it. And so we, we need to understand what, is, what does it mean? What is good? What is goodness? In, in the Greek, it's agathos, which means morally pure, pleasing to God, beneficial to others. I like that. Pleasing to God, beneficial to others. I read a definition that said this, that goodness goodness is holiness of life, which expresses itself in always doing what is in the best interest of others. And I thought that was good as well. But I think what we need to do is look at how that word is used in the Bible, and, and maybe that will help us along in the process of understanding it. So as we read in the beginning of the Bible back in Genesis, and we look at creation in the first couple of chapters in the first chapter, we, we see that as God was creating things, He looked at them and said they were good. He created the heavens and the earth, and He created life in the sea and in the air and on the ground. And after each creation, God looked at it and said, it is good. When He was finished, in Genesis 1.31, God, it says this, God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And so what does that uh, good mean? And and I would say that that I think what it means is that God looked at what He had done and He was pleased with it. So uh, maybe we can say that goodness means something that pleases God, which I think is probably part of that process. The Bible also tells us that God is good, that God is good. Uh, In our scripture verse today with the kids, I love verse time. It's fun to watch those kids do do those verses. Uh, And they talked about the goodness of God. Psalm 34, 8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the person who takes refuge in Him. Now, I like that verse as well, because we're doing sort of an informal poll. Whenever I read that verse, I have this thought, so I have to stop what I'm doing and talk about it. So um, I have in mind this t-shirt that I want to make for the church. Now, most of you know that, that so we're the vineyard. And you guys that come here, you know what that means. But, but we have shirts floating around that just say, Keys Vineyard and the grape guy is our logo. You see him everywhere and he's on things. And so um, a lot of times when we're meeting somebody and somebody's out there and they see Keys Vineyard on that, this is, you know, what we hear. Oh, I didn't know there was a vineyard in the Keys. Now, they're not connecting with the church at all at that moment. They have a whole different thought. And you can tell they're very excited about it too. There's, there's a vineyard in the Keys, and, and, uh, <laughs> and yes, there is. Come, we're open on the weekends. And um, <laughs> you know, over the years, we've done a lot of stuff with cards and things that we give away where we invite them to a meal and music and stuff with, and just kind of put the vineyard and don't really elaborate. And uh, uh, so here's my idea for a t-shirt. I want to have, have Keys Vineyard, and then what I want to have is I want to have free tastings. Saturday evening, Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, and 11. Isn't that awesome? And then I'm going to have the beginning of that verse, something that's just going to say, taste and see, dot, 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 dot. My wife's against it. <laughs> she keeps me in check most of the time. But I've had a lot of you come up and go to me, print the shirts, do the shirts. So we'll see what I... Anyway, so, so what does it mean then? That, what's that? God is good. And and what is it about God's goodness? Well, you know, God is pure, God is holy, God is forgiving, God is merciful, God is generous. So, you know, we take from that and as His children then, those things should, uh, you know, be happening in us at some level as well. So we get that idea of good. But I have a definition that I think will resonate with you about goodness that I think you can really hang on to and sort of operate with in your life. Pretty simple really. I think you'll remember it. Um, Goodness is living by doing the next right thing. Now, uh, the reason I you've heard me say that forever, that that's how we're supposed to do it, but I like the idea of tying it into goodness. It's what it looks like. It's living by doing the next right thing. Now, being good Uh, is something that's happening in us as we've come to this new life in Christ and we've accepted Him as Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit now dwelling in us uh, is is allowing us this process of being good. Doing good then is the sort of supernatural outworking of of Him working in us that's moving out into the world around us. It's uh, it's sort of the the inward change of heart expressing itself in the people around us. And so that comes the idea for the the ability to to do good is that because of Him, we are uh, in Him, you know, good. So we see that working out then. Point number two is that Jesus once again is our model for goodness. Uh, Over and over, I've told you through years and years, Jesus is our model for life and ministry. And as we've looked at the fruit, we've looked at Him week after week to see what it looks like practically. You know, he's, if you want to see what love looks like, you look at Jesus. If you want to know what joy and peace, you look at Jesus for those things. And the same is true of goodness. As I say that, I also want to make sure that you're not thinking, "Well, oh, he was Jesus. It was easy for him. Listen, Jesus was fully God, but He was fully man. So uh, the Bible, we looked at a verse last week in Hebrews that said, you know, He experienced temptation just as we have, yet without sin. He was without sin. He never gave into it, but He experienced it. It's not like it wasn't a big deal. It was something that He had to process through and, and choose to do the right thing, which He always did, always, he, you know, he, without sin. Um, but it was something He went through. And so with this idea of goodness being the next right thing, I want to take a look uh, quickly together at the actual testing temptation of Jesus that the evil one did right after he was baptized. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 4 together and see what's happening. The other other thing you're going to see from this is that the enemy uses the same sort of tricks that he's always used. These are the same temptations that he did in the garden back in Genesis 3, only Adam and Eve fell. Uh, to that. And and Jesus won't, but he, he uses these same things on us. So if we're aware of them, it helps us to stand firm and not move in the wrong direction. So let's look what happens in Luke 4, 3 and 4. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. So here what we have is that the evil one, what he's trying to go, do is he's trying to get Jesus to focus on himself. And, and he, he loves to do that with us. Uh, and and so he, he knows our weakness too. And so Jesus had been fasting 40 days, so he's hungry. So he uses that to try and get Jesus to sort of shift the focus back to himself and to use, you know, the, the power that he had to sort of do what the enemy was suggesting. Now, Here's why that was so important. If he could get Jesus to be more concerned about satisfying his own needs, of making things easy for himself, of taking the easy way out, then Jesus would never be willing to pray, not my will but yours be done. So the enemy's hitting him right here and right now, trying to get him to to take sort of the easy way out. And, And if he had, he would have never gone to the cross for us. But but Jesus had come to do the will of his Father. And, and he knew that that was the most important thing. And it wasn't himself. It, it was us, which is so amazing. So he says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. See, he, he does the next right thing. That's goodness. Well, the enemy doesn't let up. Verses 5 through 7. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. So here the enemy is saying, you know, because of the fall, the enemy uh, had you know, people serving him, and, and that's what it looked like. He's saying, in fact, I have control over all the people in the world. They're serving me, so let's make a deal. Why don't you just lower your standards a little bit, just compromise with me, and I'll just give them to you now. All this can be yours. And Jesus says, it is written... Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. He does the next right thing. He doesn't compromise. He does the next right thing. It continues, this temptation in verse 9. The devil led Him to Jerusalem and had Him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, He said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. Uh, to, concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now here's what's fascinating. There's a couple of things. First, the enemy is taking Scripture out of context. He twists it. And it's very important that you understand this, that our enemy knows Scripture. That's why I'm always telling you, you have to know the Scripture. Because the enemy will take it and twist it and make it sound like that's what it's saying. And if you don't know it, you might fall for it. Um, And and the uh, the enemy is, he's so audacious, so much audacity, he's actually trying to twist the Scripture on the author of the Scripture. Get that. The guy who wrote it, he's trying to get him to twist it. And he's saying, listen, here's what, here's what you need to do, Jesus. Just throw yourself down from here. And what's going to happen is the angels are going to swoop in and they're going to protect you from falling. Everybody's going to see it. You're going to be the most popular guy ever. And that's all you're going to have to do. Just And maybe every now and again, set up a time and do it. You know, come back once a month. Toss yourself off of here. And let's, everybody will see the angels. We'll do, sell tickets. It'll be a show. You'll be extremely popular. It's going to be a whole lot easier for you to do that than it is to trudge around the desert for the next three years with this little group of guys that you know, can be difficult. So just, just come and do the popular thing and toss yourself off and... and, and He tries to get him to do that, again, that it's not the first time that temptation happened. Back on the cross, Luke 23, 35-39, the people stood watching, Jesus is crucified on the cross. The rulers even sneered at him and they said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself There was a written notice about him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. The enemy is using the people to to tell him, You know, if you really are the Messiah, just come down from the cross and save yourself. Then we'll believe in you. Show us that you're really the Son of God and we'll follow you. And it had to be a big temptation for that whole process, enduring that pain and everything that was going on. And you have to know that Jesus had gone there willingly to the cross. He was God in the flesh. He could have stopped it at any time. He could have, in fact, saved himself, but he could not save himself and us too. And he chose to save us. Verse 12, he said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. He did the next right thing. That's goodness. See, he he didn't do the easy thing. He didn't compromise. He didn't do the popular thing. He did the next right. And that's what we're to do in this whole process. So how then is goodness expressed? Point number three. Uh, And the Bible refers to this as good works or good deeds. Remember, we we don't do those things to try and earn anything from Him. We've already gotten the very best in in Him as we're saved and He's given us that. But out of that comes this expression of of goodness. The culture sort of says, you know what, I'm going to do what I think is right and what's in my own best interest and yet goodness is just the opposite. Paul says in Romans 12, 20 and 21, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, that's why it's so important. Goodness overcomes evil. Doing the next right thing overcomes evil and the enemy. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Great verse. There's so much in this verse. I love this picture of, you know, God's workmanship. That word is poema. And, and so it's your, you're actually his, his masterpiece, His work of art, His poem. And that's you. And, and isn't it fascinating? I love to think about this, that there's things that he's having us do that he's prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't it so cool to know that you've been invited into his story and these things that are going on and he's, he's got you in spots and places at times for specific things. I just, it's, you know, it's an awe-inspiring to me how he does that. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So he's prepared things for us to do, and he's given us everything we need to do them in the scripture. It's available to us, and then he gives us the grace to do it. Second Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good goodness, such a vital thing in our world, and so important for us to allow the, the, the Spirit to flow in this way through us. So this week, just take that in. I want you to add to love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, and allow God to use us to impact the world around us for Him. Amen.